In the spring of 1970, reporters and editors from the Daily Princetonian covered one of the biggest stories in the newspaper's 140-year history, the campus strike against the war in Vietnam. Protests began almost immediately after President Nixon announced the conflict's expansion into Cambodia. Four days later, the university community voted to formally oppose the invasion. Six alumni from the 1970 Prince staff spoke with Pa about their experiences covering the unrest on campus, which began the evening of April 30th. Things took off um, almost instantaneously, as I remember, uh, after Nixon's speech announcing euphemistically the incursion into, uh, into Cambodia. That's Richard Balfour, class of 71, the editorial chairman at the time. As Bill Heiberger, class of 72, recalls, students were wary of what this new phase of the war could mean for them. Candidly, because um, you have a basically all-male campus, there were so few co-eds that it was functionally an all-male campus still. In addition to the politics of it, most of the men were worried about whether they are going to be drafted by some kind of expanded war. Here again is Richard Balfour. The speed with which it all happened um, from, I think, the Thursday night announcement through the strike decision early the next week was really astonishing. The feeling that everything was happening extraordinarily quickly um, was um, magnified to a significant extent um, being on the Prince, because not only were we absorbed in and participating in the events, but we were writing them up. Editor-in-Chief Greg Condoracci, class of 71. It was the first time the Princeton really got um, really, really involved in uh, what was, of course, then a, a huge movement uh, against the war. And, you know, the FCS had been involved, there had been demonstrations, um, there had been a sit-in in the Institute for Defense Analysis. Uh, there were a variety of, of actions. Uh, but those had always been uh, in pretty much on the periphery. That was, you know, that was SDS. Uh, that was the radical students. That was the African American students. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't viewed as a sort of mainstream. What happened in 1970 was very much mainstream. I mean, it was the entire university. Prince Chairman Luther Munford, class of '71. For most of the university community, it was a great unifier. I'm sure there were people who didn't agree with what was going on, but if, if they didn't agree, they were not visible at all. There was no counter-strike or, you know, protest or, you know, people saying, uh, I'm going to go to class no matter what, or anything like that. Richard Balfour. The series of events um, um, had had to a real extent radicalized everybody um, uh, in the university. And by the time the, that, uh, that Cambodia was invaded, um, there, there, weren't many <laughs> there weren't many conservatives left. In an era before online news and social media, the student daily played a vital role on the campus. It's important to understand that the Prince was the way that people communicate. The, uh, you know, official university notices ran in the prints. So we felt, I mean, we felt like things were 
were happening that we needed to report. And in fact, we put out a a uh, broadsheet Saturday edition, which we'd never done before. And we even put out a Sunday morning uh, uh, edition that was just one one uh, page that we went over to the uh, creative uh, arts building and hand set the type letter by letter <laughs> uh, to put that uh, you know just one page together so people would know what was going on and what was planned and and keep up with it why would a student newspaper turn to manual printing well as Kandarachi tells it Larry Dupre the prince's compositor was exhausted after putting in extra hours on the Saturday edition and serving as a volunteer firefighter in town as well when Larry said he couldn't function anymore um the only way that we could produce a newspaper um, was to individually handset every single word in movable type. Bill Heiberger. So I had taken a class in letterpress printing, and uh, everybody on the prints knew how to set type because you had to set headlines by hand to be on the prints on the news side. So I did have a team of people who knew how to set type from California Job Case. And uh, I had used the uh, print shop at 185 Nassau Street, as it was then called, uh, because it was sort of the visual arts program for the Princeton students. And I knew the equipment there because I'd taken a class either that semester or some earlier semester. And uh, basically we figured out how to break into it. So we went around and, uh, to my memory, I didn't have a key, but one of the windows was open on the outside and you could sort of climb up like a cat burglar. And so we got ourselves into the print shop and that's how we printed this special issue. Gutenberg would have definitely recognized what we were doing. Greg Condoracci. To me, that was kind of the finest, our finest hour at the print during that board, anyhow, uh, and probably what I'm most proud of. Reporter Steve Massett, class of 72. Uh, who knows how many people were really reading things as, uh, uh, as seriously as we thought we were writing them, but uh, to us it was a big deal, and we took it, uh, we took it uh, very seriously. On the editorial page, the newspaper's stance was clear, Balfour says. The anti-war uh, orientation of the prince by this point, um, the spring of 70, was of long standing. At the protests, prince reporters tried to maintain a sense of professionalism. But the line between journalist and participant sometimes blurred. Photography editor Bob Pritchard, class of 71, shot photos while taking part in the student meetings in the university chapel. Dean Gordon asked people to um, hand in their draft cards. And it I don't know whether it was that, uh, was that meeting or very soon after it. Uh, but I handed in my draft card, which at that point was a, um, uh, considered a crime at the midst, in the midst of the um, in the midst of the strike, uh, people at that era were in were to carry their um, draft cards with them all the time. Uh, the draft board got those draft cards, and I suppose could have arrested all of the people who handed their draft cards in uh, in that service. 
But uh, what they did was they sent them back in the mail about six months later with a note saying, you seem to have misplaced this. We need to remind you uh, that according to U.S. law, you have to have this card with you at all times. Luther Mumford. Uh, There's a picture of a march on IDA. And right in the middle of that picture is a Viet Cong flag. And right in front of the flag is me. And all I've got to say is that I am delighted that it is obvious from the picture that I was taking notes as a reporter uh, while I was uh, in that line of march. (laughs) But there was that, you know, that's a juxtaposition of, you know, being the reporter, but also, in some sense, being in the march. At a community meeting in Jadwin Gym, students and faculty formally voted for a strike against the war. WPRB broadcast the forum. The non-official result on those supporting the first resolution is 2,066. And on our last vote, we had 30, over 3,500 persons voting. So in the case that everyone votes only once, which is the intent of this assembly, this resolution, resolution number one, would receive the support as the most uh, popular resolution considered by this assembly of the Princeton University community. And I have the word that this tally is official. 2,066 persons supported it. There's something going on over the other side of the podium that we're not able to see at the moment. And a chant of strike, strike, as you can hear in the background. When classes ceased, The prints kept publishing for two and a half weeks before the staff began leaving campus for the summer break. Here's Steve Massett. We finished on campus in May. I I personally uh, hopped in a car and and drove off to far west Texas for a job working um, in the oil fields. And it was uh, surreal to go from from a Princeton campus in stri- on strike to, to that job where nobody would ever heard of Princeton, let alone the strike. Luther Mumford. Well, I went and worked at the Washington Post. Uh, they put me on the foreign desk, and my job was basically capitalizing copy uh, that came in on the teletype in those days. That led, in turn, to a incident the next January, January of 1971, where some of the people who had worked at the Post together as summer interns and other college editors got together to uh, visit at the State Department to talk about the war and find out what we could and express our opinions, and President Nixon found out about it. And invited us over and we actually met with President Nixon in the Oval Office and we then started asking questions about Cambodia and when was the war going to be over and uh, other things that were not the designated topic of discussion Um, and uh, that was that I mean it was very pleasant, but uh, we actually ended up 
face to face with the President of the United States, uh, indicating we were uh, anxious for the war to be over. For Balfour, a native of Canada, the period was an admirable era for the United States. I think myself, um, uh, this period was was a great period for America um, because, uh, you know, I, I remain of the view that the Vietnam War was um, uh, a terrible mistake, and in that sense, America had had committed it. But but I think the right way to view what went on in the um, uh, in the '67 um, to '70 period. Um, was uh, was something quite different. It was um, America recognizing that it had made a mistake and coming to grips with it, which is a much, much harder thing to do. You know, it's one of the hardest things in life. Steve Massett. Looking back, I think people probably have different views of how, how significant it all really was. But at the time, it was uh, uh, extremely dramatic to all of us and to everybody on campus and Everybody was caught up in it, whatever their view of it on the merits. They were caught up in the drama that was going on. Greg Kondaratchi. Uh, we had a, an amazing experience that I'm sure anybody who lived through it uh, remembers it. And it's four decades ago. Um, and uh, there are stuff that happened that I remember like it was yesterday. I can assure you that I would not have that memory of any of the courses that I took that semester. So, uh, so it was a great lesson, I think, for all of us at the Prince, but I think also for everyone who was really privileged to be at the university at that time. Our thanks to Richard Balfour, Greg Kondaratchi, Bill Heiberger, Steve Massett, Luther Munford, and Bob Pritchard. Brett Tomlinson produced this episode of Paw Tracks. The music is licensed from First Com Music. We'll be collecting alumni stories at reunions this year. If you'd like to sign up for an oral history interview, visit our website, paw.princeton.edu, and look for the Share Your Story link.